take my soul with the sound I feel it right now I'm dancing to the rhythm My father's heart be feeding It's beating just for me Whoa, oh, oh Whoa, oh, oh When I am next to your heart I feel up for an autumn now And I'm gonna swim in the depths of your ocean Oh, oh, I'm never gonna let you go Oh, oh, I'm never gonna let you go So every car fill this place So open the floodgates I'm reaching for the Just for me Yes, you pull me in close And I'll keep my eyes closed The Father hold, Father hold me Yes, you pull me in close And I'll keep my eyes closed Oh, Father hold, Father hold me Father's heartbeat Shake my soul with the sound I feel it right now I'm dancing to the rhythm My father's heartbeat beating You make my heart come Just for me Whoa, oh, oh Whoa, oh, oh Whoa, oh, oh Whoa, oh, oh
Well, happy Easter. Welcome to Journey North Anywhere. I loved the worship music. I have been worshiping with it all week. Very creative during this weird time we're all experiencing. They weren't even all in the room together. Um, I've been praying for our worship teams. I've been praying for our staff, for our church. I've been praying for all of you on a regular basis. But I've also been praying, like I do, for every church in our community that preaches the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And I, I actually want to open this Easter service with um, the, the prayer that I've been praying, not as much for them as it is for me and for us, but let me open in prayer. Father, I ask that you would take these broken vessels, take these broken jars of clay, and use us to ignite a fire of hope and salvation through Jesus in our community and around the world. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, because of the current COVID-19 crisis and the, the social distancing, you know, the staying at home and all that stuff that goes with it, we're coming together for Easter, virtually coming together, like countless others around the globe. I know that whatever plan that the devil may have had for this coronavirus pandemic, I believe it's not going to end up anything like he planned. I believe that this Easter is going to be the biggest victory that we've ever seen. You see, the devil's plan 2,000 years ago didn't quite turn out like he planned either because Easter and the resurrection changes everything. What you're going through right now may be clouding the big picture for you, just like it did for Jesus' first followers. It's interesting and ironic that when Jesus was crucified and died on a cross, his followers fell apart. They just ran and hid. They were devastated. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. In their mind, Jesus was going to set up a literal kingdom here on earth, this, a, a theocracy, and take down the Roman Empire. And all of a sudden, he's being killed between two thieves. He's on a cross. And they're going, what's happening? Did we miss something? Did we mess this up? When Jesus was arrested, all of his followers, they were called disciples, they, they just ran away. They fled like cowards. Some even denied they knew him. And so for several days, until Jesus rose again, these guys were confused. They were discouraged. They were defeated, disillusioned. They were demoralized. They were depressed. You can begin to imagine how they were feeling during that time. One way to describe it, they were running on empty. Three days later, on Easter Sunday, Jesus comes back to life. And on that night, Easter Sunday evening, late in the evening, he goes to meet with his followers, the disciples. What happens in that room so forever changes them that the transformation is just unbelievable. And those who were once cowards are now full of courage. Those who were once empty are now empowered. And those who were once defeated and discouraged and demoralized are now daring. They're full of boldness. They're afraid of nothing and no one. They're ready to take on the Roman Empire and the entire world. They have ultimate confidence. They're full of joy, and they're not even the same people that they were just three days earlier. So what happened? What changed them? How did Jesus refill their empty tanks when they were running on empty? We're actually starting a series today. We're calling it Running on Empty. So I want to start with a little survey. 
I want you to participate wherever you're at. I want you to participate. Don't worry if it feels a little weird at first. Just participate. So if if you answer the question, you know, raise your hand so that so that um, I, I I can see you through the camera. You know that, right? So here goes. How many of you, when you were driving, never let your gas tank get below half empty? Anybody? Raise your hands. God bless you, compulsive people. <laughs> Just kidding. How many of you fill up when you get three quarters empty? You never let it go beyond a quarter left. Raise your hands. How many of you see how far you can go after the little light comes on? Yeah, you're not raising your hands, are you? How many of you think E means enough to keep going? How many of you in life have ever run out of gas? I remember, I have more than once, but I remember once I was in high school, I was on my way to school in my Volkswagen. And I actually ran out of gas on the way to school, but I was close enough to the gas station that pushed in the clutch, put it in the neutral, and I coasted right up, to the, right up to the pump. So I may since then have carried a gas can whenever I get a new to me vehicle so I could see where it ran out and have some gas to get me to the station. I'm just saying. I know that we've had vehicles, we actually have one now, but we've had vehicles that had gas gauges that were wrong. You didn't know where you were at on gas. That's very frustrating because you could run out at just the wrong time and just the wrong place. I have a feeling there are a lot of you. You might be feeling like you're running on empty right about now. Some of you have been cooped up in your house closer to everyone than you've been in a long time and it's starting to get to you. Some of you are more lonely or alone than you've been in a long time and you're feeling empty. For many, many reasons, you might be saying, yes, I think I might be running on empty. I don't want to run out of gas at the wrong time or in the wrong place. So today on Easter, I want us to look at how Jesus refills our tank, how he re-energizes us when we're running on empty, or if you have an electric car, how he recharges you. You, you get the idea. The story of what Jesus did with his followers on that first Easter is recorded in John 20 in the Bible. This, remember I said, is on that first Easter night. Here's what it says in John 20, starting in verse 19. It says this, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. And we go down to, to verse 29 and he's talking um, to, to Thomas. And, and he says to Thomas, um, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Now, I don't know what kind of week that you've had. I don't know what kind of month you've had. I don't know what kind of year you've had or even what kind of life you've had. But if you've ever felt like you were running on empty, you're just out of gas, and you thought, I don't know whether I can go on, I'm at the end of my rope, I'm ready to throw in my towel, I'm just, I, I'm at my wit's end. If you've ever felt frustrated or fatigued 
or fearful, just, just weary. You know, sick and tired of being sick and tired. You picked a good Sunday to join us online because I've got some good news for you. The seven things that Jesus did with his disciples that turned them from cowards into confident people are the seven things he wants to do in your life this Easter. The first thing that Jesus does when he wants to refill your tank when you're running on empty is first this. He meets you where you are. He meets you where you are. The disciples were scared to death. They're afraid. They're hiding in a room with the doors locked. When you're running on empty, Jesus doesn't wait for you to come to him. He comes to you. He takes the initiative. In fact, it says here in verse 19, it was late that Sunday evening and the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors. You know, they were self-isolating. It sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? And they did it, it says, because they were afraid. They were afraid of the authorities. Then Jesus, he just appeared there. It says Jesus came and stood among them. And the point is, Jesus went to them. So notice this, it's late. It's late in the evening. Let me ask, have you ever been so tired? but you've been so upset that you couldn't get to sleep. That's what's happening with these guys. They've had this roller coaster week of emotional highs and lows, and they've gone through um, the miracles, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, the death, the burial of their leader, Jesus Christ. These guys are emotionally spent. They're drained, but they can't get to sleep. It's late in the evening. Most of them probably hadn't slept for days. Then it says they were hiding. You know why they were hiding? Vince Lombardi once said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And it does. These guys were probably second-guessing themselves. Were we wrong? Was Jesus not who he claimed to be? Was, was he not really God? Were we deluded? You know, what are we going to do now? They're going to get us. That's what they're thinking. They're second-guessing themselves. It says they were locked behind doors. You know, locks are put on doors to keep people out. But the funny thing is, Locks also keep us locked inside. Anyone feeling a little of that right now during this time? I wonder, I wonder who you've locked out of your life. Some of you have locked God out of your life. When you put a lock on your life, you not only lock people out, you lock yourself in. And fear creates a self-imposed prison. Jesus said, I want to release you from those fears. It says they were locked in because they were afraid, and it's fear that locks us in, and suddenly Jesus shows up among them. When he first showed up in the room, they didn't recognize him. You know why they didn't recognize him? They weren't expecting him. They weren't aware. It's actually, it's very common. In fact, it happens in your life all the time. God shows up in your life all the time, and you don't even know it. He does. He shows up in your life all the time in circumstances and situations, and you don't even recognize him. You know why? because you're not looking for him. Right now, you may feel God is a million miles away. You may feel like he's the one sheltering in place, you know, far from you. But the fact is, he's closer than you realize. He's here, he's near, and he wants to help you today. The second thing he does is not only meet you where you are, but he gives you encouragement. Notice the very first thing Jesus says to them when he sees them. Then Jesus said, verse 19, the last part of it, peace be with you. I love this. Jesus comes in and he says, calm, God, calm down, guys. You know, chill out. It's like, take a deep breath. Relax. It's going to be okay. I've got this all under control. 
And the very first thing Jesus says to these guys who were defeated and demoralized and depressed and discouraged, they were running on empty. And he says, peace be with you. It's okay. I've got it handled. Now, I love what he said, but I especially love what he didn't say. Because he could have walked into the room and the first thing he said to his followers, why'd you guys leave me? Why'd you abandon me? Where were you when I needed you the most? You were with me for three years. Then when I go through tough times, it's like, boom, you flake out. He didn't criticize them. He didn't scold them. He didn't put them down. He didn't correct them or reprimand them. What's the first, the first thing Jesus does when you're running on empty? He meets you where you are. And then he encourages you. Peace be with you. Here's the third thing that Jesus does when you're running on empty. Number three, he shows you his love. Verse 20 says, As he spoke, he held out his hands for them to see, and he showed them his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw their Lord. So what's Jesus doing here? A couple things. First, he's validating his identity. He's saying, it's me, guys. It really is me. And the second thing he's doing is he's showing how much he loved them. He's showing how much he loved you. He said, this is how much I loved you. He's showing them his hands and his side. You know, you know intellectually that Jesus died on a cross. But did you know that he died on a cross for you? So your sins could be paid for. So you could go to heaven. Because heaven's perfect and you're not. (laughs) And neither am I. He did it for you. No one will ever love you like Jesus does. In Romans 5, 8, it says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. How does that help me when I'm feeling stressed out, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when when I'm at the end of my rope and I'm literally just running on empty? I'll tell you how it helps. When you feel unconditionally loved by God, you can relax. When you feel totally loved by God, and most people, sadly, have never felt that, They've heard it, you know, intellectually, I know God loves me, but they've never experienced the unconditional love of God. When you experience it, all of a sudden, you don't care what people think anymore. I like to think if God loves me and I like me, what's your problem, (laughs) you know? So here's the fourth thing Jesus does when you're running on empty. He offers you forgiveness. And this is important. Forgiveness is a huge re-energizer. Because the two biggest leaks in your tank, the two things that cause you to run out of energy and drain you emotionally and physically are guilt and resentment. And the answer to both is forgiveness. Guilt and resentment are like, they're like twin emotions that rob you of your energy. You can't be guilty and happy at the same time. You can't be resentful and happy at the same time. That's a problem. Because we live in an imperfect world. Have you noticed? We live on a broken planet where there's this thing called sin. That means I don't always do the right thing. And you don't either. I make mistakes. Sometimes I'm selfish. We hurt each other, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. When I hurt you, what I feel is guilt. When you hurt me, what I feel is resentment. Those two things Guilt over the things that I've done wrong and resentment over the things that have been done wrong to me are the twins that keep me stuck emotionally on empty. If you're ever going to be happy in life, you've got to learn to let that go. How to let go of your guilt 
to God and how to let go of your resentment against other people. And there's only one way to do that, and that's forgiveness. That's why the next thing Jesus says is this. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. But if you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? So what's Jesus saying here? There's actually a couple things here, but one of the things he's saying is this. He's saying, guys, I've forgiven you. You're completely forgiven. That's why I died on the cross. I died on a cross for all the things you've ever done wrong. So you're forgiven. Now I expect you to do the same thing with other people. Pass it on. Cut them a little slack. Show them some grace. Why? Because guilt and resentment keep you running on empty. Guilt and resentment keep you stuck in the past. You can't get on with the future. Guilt and resentment warp your personality. You get angry. You get sarcastic. You get cynical. The more bitter you become, guilt and resentment ruin relationships. This is huge. Forgiveness is the key to happiness. I like in Psalm 32, it says this in the first two verses. Happy is the person whose sins are forgiven and whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty anymore. Forgiveness is the key to happiness. Because of the cross and because of Easter, we've been completely forgiven if we've accepted that forgiveness. So we of all people have a reason to celebrate, a reason to be happy because I don't have a guilty conscience. I've been forgiven. That's a happy day. Some of you know I I have kind of a weak spot. I have many of them, but one of my biggest weak spots is for Dunkin' Donuts. Now, I love their coffee. My favorite coffee, but hey, it's Dunkin' Donuts, right? I especially love the ones that have that amazing cream filling inside. I mean, my mouth is water. I can just, I can almost taste it right now. It's interesting to me that whenever we're empty on the inside, we always have to have a filling of some kind. I wonder what your standard preferred filling when you're running on empty is. Some of you, when you hit the end of the day and you're tired and you're wiped out and you come home, you fill your emptiness with television. You fill your emptiness with entertainment. Now, TV is not bad in and of itself. It's the why. Others of you, when you feel empty on the inside, you fill yourself with food or you fill yourself with alcohol or porn or one night stands. Some of you, when you're running on empty, you fill yourself with pain pills to take away the pain. Everybody has something. It may be a hobby, it may be a sport, it may be work. We can overwork to hide our emptiness. All these things, the good and the bad, they all have one thing in common. None of them last. None of them keep you satisfied. None of them keep you filled up. You always get hungry again. Jesus Christ, God, offers you a permanent filling inside you. He says, I will put my spirit in you. I will fill you up with me. That will fill the emptiness that you feel because that's what you're lacking. And that's the next thing Jesus does. Number five, he fills you with his presence. Jesus said, I don't want to just be with you. I want to inhabit you. He says in verse 22, then Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. When God puts his spirit in you, you become more you. You become more natural. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. 
It makes you become what God intended you to be in the first place before all the things of life broke us into a bunch of pieces. This doesn't turn you into a wacko, all right? We have enough wackos. We don't need any more. This makes you more normal. It makes you more natural. It makes you more alive, able to better enjoy life. This verse, uh, we read this verse a couple times recently in the last couple weeks from 2 Timothy 1. It says this, the spirit of God, the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. It's not about fear. Instead, his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. When you are running on empty, that's the exact three things you need when you're running out of gas. You need power to keep going. You need love to build relationships and you need self-control to keep from self-destructing. So he fills you with his presence. Number six, he gives you a reason to live. This is important too, because another reason you're running on empty is because you don't know what the purpose of your life is. You were made for far more than just like money. You know, making money is not the ultimate goal in life. You were made for meaning and all the money in the world won't replace a lack of meaning. You were made for more than money. You were made for meaning. You were made for more than possessions. You were made for purpose. All the possessions in the world won't compensate for a lack of purpose in your life. That's why you still run on empty. So what do you do? You have to turn to God and let him give you his purpose for your life. Because you're not an accident. Let me tell you something. God's plan for your life is greater than any plan that you could ever think of yourself. Your little plans are puny compared to what God wants to do with your life. If you would just let him have control in every area. I know this, following Jesus is not for wimps. It's not for cowards. It's not for lazy people. It's not for people who like to live in just the shallows of life and play it safe. No, it takes courage to be a man of God. It takes courage to be a woman of God. To say, God, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm yours. You use me for your purpose, for good, and for God in this world. I don't want to live a selfish little life. I want to go for the gusto. It takes courage. God's plan for your life is so much bigger than your plans for your own life. It'll test you, and it'll stretch you, and it'll grow your faith. That's what Jesus did with these guys. Remember, these guys were all discouraged. I can imagine them thinking we've all, we just turned tail. We, we wimped out, we copped out, we flaked out on Jesus. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's through with us. Jesus comes to them and he says, no, look what it says in verse 21. Then Jesus said again, this is the second time he said this, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I now send you. He said, guys, I know you've blown it. You made mistakes. You didn't stay with me in the tough times, but I've got a plan. And he says, we are going to take on the world. I've got a world-changing plan. And they did. This little group of now 11 guys went out, and soon it's all over the Middle East. And within 300 years, it's overtaken the Roman Empire. And today, 2.4 billion people in the world claim to be followers of Jesus. It was the biggest task ever given. 
what God, what does God want us to do? Here's a little peek. I, I love this paraphrase. We could go on for weeks about this, but a little peek. And, and I, I love this paraphrase from Philippians 2. It says, go out into the world uncorrupted, like a breath of fresh air in a squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. You must shine among them like stars lighting up the sky. God says, I want you to shine like a star. I want you to be a star and represent me to the world. And I know what some of you are thinking, that would eliminate about 80% of your Facebook posts. That's a good thing, by the way. The last thing Jesus did with his followers on that very first Easter, that he wants to do with you today on this Easter is this. It's my favorite one of all. Number seven, he helps you believe. In spite of all your doubts, he helps you believe. Of the 12 guys that Jesus chose to follow him, sometimes my favorite of the 12 is a guy named Thomas. I love this guy. I love him because he's honest, he's authentic, and I love him because of this story that's right here in this chapter. It says this, Now Thomas was not with them when Jesus came that first time. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But Thomas said, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my hand into his side wound, I will not believe it. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked again, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Third time he said this now. Then he looks at Thomas. Nothing has been said about Thomas yet, but Jesus knows. He looks at Thomas and he says, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas says to him those famous words, my Lord and my God. I love that. Thomas was honest enough to admit his doubts. I think that's a good thing. But when confronted with the truth of the resurrection, he was also humble enough to admit that Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus will meet you where you're at, and he will help you with your doubts. A guy came to Jesus one day. He's got a daughter. She's very sick. She's very ill. She's about to die. And the guy comes up to Jesus, and he says, Lord, I need you to heal my daughter. She's dying. And Jesus looks at the guy, and he says, do you believe I can heal her? The guy's answer is classic. I love it because it's honest and authentic. He says, Lord, I want to believe. Help me with my doubt. That's classic. That's huge. Jesus said, that's good enough. And he healed the girl. I love that. Do you know that you can say that to that same Jesus today? I want to believe. Help me with my doubts. In fact, I dare you to say it to him. I want to believe. Help me with my doubts. Because if you're not willing to say that, it's not really doubt that's holding you back. It's pride. It's saying, I want to run my own life. Jesus helps us believe, but he does it in a way that's best for us. With some people, they come to believe through like an intellectual argument. Some people come through experience. Some people look at a, a Christian person and they say, I want to be like that guy or, you know, I want to be like that girl. 
or maybe it's a story or, or it's an emotion or it's a feeling, it's a circumstance, maybe it's logic. God knows what you're going to need to get to know him and he will use that. He will help you believe. So let me summarize. If you're running on empty, Jesus wants to do for you the seven things that he did for his disciples that very first Easter. The disciples were afraid, so he comes and meets them where they are, where they're at in their hiding, and he meets them where they are, even, you know, stay-at-home orders. That's where they were. The disciples are confused. You know, what's going on? What's happening? So he gives them a word of encouragement. Hang on, guys, he said. Peace be with you. It's okay. The disciples feel unloved. So he says, this is how much I love you. This much. Look at my hands. This is how much I love you. And the disciples feel ashamed for having just flaked out on him and run away when he needed them most. So what does he do? He offers them forgiveness. And he does that to you too. The disciples are feeling all alone. They're too locked in a house. They're afraid. They're alone. Jesus says, you don't have to be alone anymore. I'm going to put my spirit in you and I will never leave you. People may leave you. He never will. And then they're feeling useless. And maybe, maybe you felt this. God couldn't use me anymore after all I've gone through and all I've done. And he says, guys, get it together. We are going on the greatest adventure of life and we are going to change the world. And he gives them a new reason to live, a reason that's beyond themselves, bigger than them. And when they doubt, he says, let me help you believe. He doesn't put you down. He doesn't scold you. He says, let me help you believe. You see, he's ready to do the same thing for you this Easter. In verse 29, it says this. Jesus said to Thomas, he says, you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings, even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Do you know who he was talking about when he said that? You. As we close this Easter service, I'm going to pray a prayer like I prayed many years ago when I stepped across the line. And I'm going to invite you to follow me in this prayer right now. It's not about knowing everything. It's about asking him to help us with our unbelief. I'm actually going to ask you just to keep your eyes open and to pray this out loud. I'm going to put it on the bottom of the screen so you can see the words and pray it. But here's the thing. If it's just words, nothing will happen or change. But if it's a prayer of your heart, nothing will ever be the same. It's the reason God brought you to this service today. So pray with me. Dear Jesus, you know I'm running on empty. You know when I hurt and when I hurt others. This Easter, I ask you to fill my tank, physically and emotionally and spiritually. Thank you for meeting me where I am. God, I need your peace to handle the things that stress me out. Thank you for showing your love for me by dying for me on the cross. I ask you to forgive all my sins to help me let go of the people who've hurt me. I ask you to fill me with your presence. I need your power and your love and your self-control. Help me discover your purpose for my life. Help me to believe and to learn to trust you more each day. Today, with all my doubts, I want to step across the line and begin a relationship with you. 
I ask you to save me today. In your name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, welcome to the family. I believe you just became a part of the largest group of people who turned to Jesus in one single day and maybe all of history. Please let us know because we're in this together. We're better together. We take this journey together. So direct message us, email us, text us, let us know somehow. If you're watching on our church online page, there's actually a place to check in the comments that you can say, yes, I'm raising my hand. I did that so you can let us know because here's the truth. All of heaven is rejoicing right now. Welcome home. We're going to close with a worship song that I think you're going to be singing and replaying many times over the next week.
Well, welcome back. I told you that that was going to be a good song. Here's the thing. If you prayed for the first time to invite Jesus into your heart, to have him come into your life and be Lord and save you, to follow him, to find his purpose for your life, please let us know. Here's what we've said. God loves you. He is good and he is for you. And if you prayed that prayer from your heart today, he is with you. So let us know because we're on this journey together. If you don't have a Bible, we can get you one. We want, we want to be able to uh, e- expand his kingdom and see God work and move in your life. So thank you and happy Easter.